MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, November 6th, 2020. Today, the U.S. Postal Service processed over 150,000 ballots after the election. That's twice the amount of votes that elected Trump. The vote count continues as some of Trump's lawsuits are dismissed and others are filed. Crowds of protesters gather outside vote counting venues as the Trump group Stop the Steal is kicked off Facebook. The Sullivan USPS case winds down. Trump aides discuss mounting a comeback run in 2024. The Secretary of Defense Mark Esper has prepped a resignation letter. The airspace around Wilmington, Delaware has been designated national defense airspace. An update on the balance of power in the Senate. Kushner files to evict hundreds of families who can't pay rent during the pandemic. And Trump unloaded lie after lie in a last-minute press conference. I'm your host, A.G. All right, everybody, we are on standby as the vote count continues. We are down to a margin of 3,486 or 30, yeah, 3,684, something very small in Georgia. Georgia. Um, we're down to about 60,000 in Pennsylvania. Um, it was more than half a million just 24 hours ago that Trump had a lead. And the, the leads are shrinking demonstrably uh, in those states. Pennsylvania, 87% of the ballots coming in in some of the counties are all going for Biden at this point. And all eyes shifted to Pennsylvania uh, today and Georgia as the gaps are closing and the kind of away from Arizona and Nevada as they are just, the count is very slow there. As we know, Biden is at 253 electoral votes. And if he wins Pennsylvania, that puts him over the 270 needed to win the election. He is also, like I said, within a whisper in Georgia. And that's just blows my mind. I can't believe it. And later today, we have our scheduled happy hour at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That's for patrons only. I'm looking very much forward to that. If you want to become a patron, sign up on patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote. We're going to have a lot to cover in the lame duck session and going forward, regardless of the outcome. And I'll be here to deliver the news. Perhaps we'll be covering Biden's Department of Justice and uh, the Trump Crimes Commission, along with any congressional investigations. Very important stuff. So you'll want to you know, be a patron. And I just want to take a moment to thank all the poll workers, election judges, ballot counters, and everyone working hard to ensure the security of the vote. It's been really incredible to watch. The transparency is refreshing. The process has been flawless uh, as far as as far as we know. It's just Trump trying to stir shit up. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. And the lead story today is from the Washington Post, and the headline reads, USPS processed 150,000 ballots after Election Day, jeopardizing thousands of votes. That's right. More than 150,000 ballots were caught in the U.S. Postal Service processing facilities and not delivered by Election Day. Agency data. This is according to agency data, including more than 12,000 in five of the states that have yet to be called for either Trump or Joe Biden. The number of mailed ballots the Postal Service did not deliver by Election Day is expected to grow as more data is released in the coming days. Some election experts worry such delays could run up against even more generous ballot acceptance windows that some states have granted. And we've been glued to our screens, watching the ebbs and flows uh, of our attention. Uh, our attention has been on specific states as the vote count comes in. This morning, we were closely watching Nevada and Arizona, as I said in the intro there, but their counting is taking a very, very long time. I'm not complaining. I want the vote counted accurately. 
Uh, but the attention quickly shifted to Pennsylvania and Georgia as the afternoon wore on. Biden quickly closed those gaps as more votes came in. We know if Biden wins Pennsylvania, it's all over. That's the game. And we also know Trump cannot win without Georgia and Pennsylvania. And right here, because we record early in the day, right now, I'm going to leave a spot to insert a quick update right now. Hey, everybody, it's AG from the future, but actually the past, but it's the future from when I recorded the show, but the past from when you're hearing it. Anyway, it's about 8 p.m. on the West Coast on Thursday night, and we are within flipping Georgia by about 1,775 votes. They're virtually tied. Uh, We should flip it by midnight Eastern time tonight. So by the time you get this in the morning, we should have flipped Georgia. We probably will have flipped Georgia. And same with Pennsylvania. We expect we're within 26,000 votes now. Uh, Biden is within 26,000 votes. uh, And they expect that to flip around one in the morning Eastern Standard Time. So, again, when this pops out, when the show comes out Friday morning, it should be flipped. Pennsylvania and Georgia. And we're still waiting for Arizona and we're still waiting for Nevada. And there are some significant counties out in Pennsylvania that won't be turning their stuff in until tomorrow. So I don't know that they're going to call that for for Biden until later in the day. But things are looking up. All right. Back to the show. All right. Now, back to Thursday in the afternoon. From the Associated Press, election officials in key battleground states pressed forward Thursday with presidential vote counting as Democrat Joe Biden urged patience and Trump pursued legal options, insisting the processing of ballots should be stopped. Uh, The president spent Thursday at the White House working on the phones and escalating efforts to sow doubt about the outcome of the race. In a series of tweets, he pushed baseless allegations of electoral misconduct and said the ongoing vote count of ballots submitted before before and on Election Day should cease. Trump followed up with an all-caps official campaign statement, quote, if you count the legal votes, I easily win the election. If you count the illegal and late votes, they can steal the election from us. And this is really just a Trump tweet that he didn't want to put on Twitter because it would be flagged for misinformation. He's been out of sight today. They had a lid on him, but because, you know, Trump aides don't want him out there yelling to stop the count because Trump aides want the count to continue. And so despite advisors, Urging him to keep quiet, Trump came out and gave remarks Thursday evening. This is clearly after he got pissy that Joe Biden had uh, been making so many remarks on television, stealing his spotlight. He feels, I'm the president, I'm the president. I, I, I. So this is, you know, probably despite the advice of his handlers, but I imagine he's freaking the fuck out because he's watching not only his presidency disintegrate, but he's watching the only protection he has from being criminally prosecuted dissolving as these votes are counted. Uh, he said uh, on in these remarks, if you count the legal votes, he won. If you count the illegal votes, uh, he he might lose. And they're stealing the election, which is exactly what he put in that press release. He accused us of stealing his votes while he was the one that installed to join the post office, delaying the mail, dismantling sorting machines that process ballots, installing an illegitimate Supreme Court justice that might rule in his favor in a contested state or a contested election, and filing these ridiculous lawsuits. And we're also learning that Facebook has pulled the Stop the Steal group. That's a pack of asshole Trump supporters trying to coordinate protests like the one last night in Maricopa County. It's of note that they relocated to Telegram, a Russian communications app. So now we have Trump suppressing the vote. We voted in numbers too big to manipulate. We did it. And now he's on television complaining about suppression polls, uh, that the election is being stolen, all while he's been sabotaging the election. He failed at policy. He failed at cheating. He failed at the election. He's losing. 
And now he's doing what he always does, blaming his enemy for that which he is guilty. And he just lied his face off. He claims he won Pennsylvania and insinuates that the counters are finding ballots and they're mysteriously going for Biden. He told his voters not to use mail, vote by mail. He told them to go wait in line. Uh, we all saw this coming months and months away. Um, we'll speak more about this and his remarks later in the show with Frank Faglucci, so stick, stick around for that. Uh, Trump's campaign uh, engaged in a flurry of legal activity to try to improve the Republican president's chances, requesting a recount in Wisconsin and filing lawsuits in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia. Statewide recounts in Wisconsin have historically changed the vote tally by only a few hundred votes. Biden leads there by more than 20,000 out of nearly 3.3 million counted. And judges in Georgia and Michigan quickly dismissed Trump's lawsuits on Thursday. This is dumb. Uh, Biden has already won Michigan and Wisconsin. The contest in Georgia and Pennsylvania, along with Nevada and, uh, and North Carolina, were tight, with votes still being tabulated. The Trump campaign said it was confident the president would ultimately pull out a victory in Arizona. <laughs> he won't. Uh, but votes are still being counted there, including Maricopa County, the state's most populous area. The AP, Associated Press, has declared Biden the winner of Arizona, and they have not undeclared that. And they said Thursday that it was monitoring the vote count as it proceeded. And despite Trump's confidence and claims that he's won Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona and Nevada and the election, we received word from NBC that Defense Secretary Mark Esper has prepared a letter of resignation. That's according to three current defense officials. It is not uncommon for cabinet secretaries to prepare undated letters of resignation during a presidential transition, giving the commander-in-chief a chance to replace them for a second term. Uh, the president decides whether to accept the resignation letters, and the process usually occurs after the election results are clear. But defense officials say Esper prepared this letter because he is one of the cabinet officials long expected to be pushed out after the election. As, as his tenure may be coming to an end, Esper is helping members of Congress draft legislation that will strip names of Confederate leaders from military bases in a move that could put him further at odds with Trump. So while Esper considered issuing a directive that would order the secretaries of the Army, Navy, and Air Force to change the names in their respective services, an order that could be overturned by Trump, who has strongly opposed renaming the bases, he now plans to work with Congress to put that language into the annual NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, so the name changes will be written to law. And this week, Esper provided a written framework to Pentagon leaders for renaming the installations and possibly even ships and street names on bases that honor Confederate generals currently. Um, and this is according to officials in the Pentagon. For example, the framework suggests that the NDAA could say the military installations cannot be named after someone who has betrayed the United States or committed a felony or instead must be named after people who have met certain criteria, like having earned a Medal of Honor or Silver Star or achieving the rank of general. So he's putting all that together right now. And... Another hint here, we learned from Jeff Bennett and NBC that uh, someone from the Biden team texted his colleague at NBC to get ready to celebrate. Then that's a hint. And also Wednesday night, we got another hint as to how the election counting was, uh, was going, as the airspace over Wilmington, Delaware was declared national defense airspace. That's a designation you would not see for a presidential candidate, but one that you would certainly see for a president-elect. Wilmington, Delaware, by the way, is where Joe Biden is. Also from NBC, a crowd of protesters, some of them armed with long rifles, uh, claimed the vote had been stolen from Donald Trump as they gathered outside the counting center at Maricopa County in Phoenix late Wednesday ahead of the release of the new results in the presidential Senate races. It was one of several demonstrations across the country, uh, some about the election, some about racial inequality. In New York, 50 people were arrested, uh, officials told NBC New York. In Maricopa, some in the 300-strong crowd shouted, count the votes, and Fox News sucks, after the TV network called Arizona in Joe Biden's favor. I was watching the coverage 
uh, on CNN when this was happening, Chris Cuomo asked the correspondent uh, what the demonstrators wanted. Like, what do they want? And she shrugged. She's like, I'm not really sure. Some are chanting, count the vote. Some are chanting, stop the vote. Then they chanted, Fox News sucks. Some have long guns. Then they sang YMCA for a while. (laughs) She just shrugged. She's like, I don't know what they want. They they, They don't know what they're mad about. I have a law enforcement expert joining me later. That's Frank. And we're going to discuss the story further and how Trump's remarks today will only exacerbate this shit. And in Judge Sullivan's court in the U.S. Postal Service case, as we know, on Wednesday, he ordered a sweep of all Texas processing stations. The day before, he ordered a sweep of multiple stations in battleground states. Then there was a hearing Thursday right after we got a dump of data from the Postal Service, including extra and late trips, on-time delivery percentages, and the number of inbound and outbound ballots processed. Those are the ones Andrew Torres and I were talking about last night. The data show that about 150,000 ballots were delivered yesterday, including 604 ballots in Atlanta and another 7,000 in Pennsylvania. The Department of Justice uh, brought with it today several processing facility managers, as Sullivan requested them uh, to do including managers from Philadelphia, Central Pennsylvania, Greensboro, and the Mid-Carolinas. So Sullivan seemed way less angry today. Uh, He dismissed the facility managers, sending them back to work, saying thank you for all you're doing. Uh, Then said, nothing stops the post office and hope springs eternal. And then he got all angry sounding and scolded the plaintiffs for missing their midnight deadline on the proposed order. But then he laughed and he was like, ah, just kidding. So he uh, he was in good spirits today. And uh, Megan Minero from Courthouse News said on Twitter, quote, a sign the case is likely winding down. The plaintiffs, the Department of Justice and the judge were laughing at the end as they all expressed little interest in convening over the weekend. No word as to whether DeJoy will be called to testify or how the post office will be held accountable for not complying with his Election Day order. Sullivan did issue an order for several USPS processing facility sweeps for Friday to get any misplaced ballots delivered in time to be counted and to report back how many ballots were found in those sweeps. And also today, White House correspondent Jim Acosta said aides to the Trump campaign have already raised the topic of a resurrection run in 2024 with the president. He'll be 78 at that point. Quote, there are some aides and advisors who are starting to talk about the potential not only that the president is going to lose the election, but that he may mount some sort of resurrection run in 2024. Some have even talked about it with the president himself, unquote. Acosta went on to explain that the talk of the 2024 Trump run points to a growing pessimism inside the campaign regarding the current vote count. And one Trump campaign advisor told CNN that it's looking increasingly bleak in Georgia for the president. Acosta made it clear that despite the pessimism in Donald Trump's camp, the president has not given up on winning the current election, stealing the current election, and is trying to, quote, gin up enough outrage out there to change the outcome. Incredible. And from KETV, control of the Senate hung in the balance Thursday as a cliffhanger of Republicans trouncing Democratic challengers in crucial states but failing to lock down the seats needed to retain their tenuous majority. At least one race in Georgia is headed to a January runoff. Um, That's the Warnock-Loeffler. And uh, contests in three other states remain undecided, leaving the chamber locked at 48-48. An outcome may not be known until the new year. The counting continued in Georgia, where GOP Senator David Perdue was trying to hold off Democrat John Ossoff in a multi-candidate race that could also result in a runoff. And um, it just, for the first time, Purdue dropped below the 50% threshold needed to avoid a runoff. And if that holds as the Georgia votes come in, we could see two runoffs in January for the Senate in Georgia. Um, So if we, you know, if we see uh, a 50-50 Senate, 
you know, if they both win or somehow it comes out to be a 50-50 Senate, the tiebreaker is the vice president. It's also of note that if Biden wins, the Senate has to confirm his cabinet picks. Yet another reason, I believe, if, you know, the Republicans retain power in the Senate, we may see less divisive picks and more nominees that we've never heard of but are incredible career officials. And from the Washington Post, Westminster Management, an apartment company owned in part by Jared Kushner, has submitted hundreds of eviction filings in court against tenants with past due rent during the pandemic. This is according to interviews with more than a dozen tenants and review, uh, review of hundreds of the company's filings. A state eviction moratorium currently bars Maryland courts from removing tenants from their homes, and a federal moratorium offers renters additional protection. Uh, but like other landlords around the country, Westminster has been sending letters to tenants threatening legal fees and then filing eviction notices in court, a first legal step toward removing tenants. Those notices are now piling up in local courthouses as part of a national backlog of tens of thousands of cases that experts warn could lead to a surge in displaced renters across the country as eviction bans expire and courts resume processing cases. Many of the Westminster tenants facing eviction live in low- or middle-income um, areas in the modest apartments in the Baltimore area, that's according to the tenants. Some of them told the Post that they fell behind on rent after losing jobs or wages because of the pandemic. So that's Kushner for you. Uh, we'll be right back with former counterintelligence FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi. We're going to discuss a bunch of stuff, including vote counting security, election security, as well as the future of the Department of Justice in a Joe Biden presidency. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG here for the Daily Beans. I have to tell you about my new favorite life hack. It's the most useful app on my phone. It's called Blinkist. If you're like me, you're extremely busy. Finding time to read for pleasure or personal development can be very challenging. But Blinkist is designed to solve this problem. I highly recommend checking it out. It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It takes the best top key takeaways, the need-to-know stuff, the bottom line up front, from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Most successful people are known to be voracious readers. Blinkist is made for busy people who want to get the main points of a book quickly and start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book while driving or working out. 12 million people, 12 million are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive growing library from self-help, business, health, and history. Uh, Blinkist has the latest titles from best-selling authors, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had the time. So I like it because in less than 15 minutes, what I use it for, I get the main points, and that helps me, you know, determine whether or not I'm going to read the book in full later. And I absolutely love it. I recently read Accidental Presidents by Jared Cohen. I highly recommend it. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, for all, all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. So go to Blinkist.com beans and try it free for seven days. And you'll get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N as in Nancy, K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com beans to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off. Off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today to discuss election security and what's going on right now is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and a good friend of mine, Frank Fagluzzi. Frank, thanks for speaking with me today. Yeah, a lot going on. I'm glad we can talk. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I get to talk to you, too. You're one of my favorite venting boards. Is that a thing? Uh <laughs> It's like a sound. We've just, we've just invented it. It's like a sounding board, but with, you know, hangrier words, I guess. But w I was just watching the absolutely unbelievable, unprecedented. I mean, we're out of adjectives here for this administration at this point. But the remarks from Trump Thursday evening 
Um, he, I, I take it that, uh, you know, Joe Biden's been coming out making very calm, cool statements over the last couple of days. And I think Trump was like, I want to go on TV, too. He's getting all the news. And, and I think his aides probably said, no, no, but just chill, bro. And he's like, no, I'm doing it. And so here he comes out. Right. And what are, I mean, top line thoughts on, on what he's saying, because it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we, so I, I'm tr- actually trying to find a sentence that has come out of his mouth that contains an accurate thought. And I've not yet been able to do it. He started with the fact that he thinks he won the election. Then he moved on to saying that uh, there are illegal votes being counted. I Not further defined, no evidence of that. And then there are late votes being counted. Again, don't don't know what that means. He seems to have drawn a line in the sand publicly that anything, no matter what the state law is, anything coming in after Election Day is therefore illegal and should not be counted. We're getting this line after line after line. I know that some networks actually stopped covering it because they it was complete disinformation. Yeah, I think what they're referring to, and I've heard Santorum uh, refer to this, and a, a Toomey on CNN Tonight referred to this, something in Pennsylvania where uh, some guy, I think maybe the head of the Republican Party in Pennsylvania, who happens to be a very good close friend of everyone who's a Republican, I guess, saying that he thought or he was sure that after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court told uh, the, the the Pennsylvania elections folks to sequester ballots that came in after Election Day, after the deadline, sequester those, he's saying they are not and that they're being counted. Now, they've not given any evidence of this, but there is a rule for poll or for vote count watchers, uh, both Republican and Democrat in Pennsylvania, that you need to be six feet away so you don't kill people with COVID. And uh, the the Republicans are saying six feet away is too far. I can't see. I don't know what's going on. And therefore, you must be counting these uh, s- votes that are supposed to be sequestered. And therefore, the whole thing is a fraud. Well, yeah, I also heard reports that they want Pam Bondi to fly into Philadelphia and, <laughs> as an observer because, you know, everybody everybody would love to have her yelling uh, from six feet away while you're trying to work. Um, look, I, there, have been, there have been official and unofficial statements out of Pennsylvania that all of this is false, um, and, and including you know, the Secretary of State for Pennsylvania, who gave a, a, an interview today on a network. So um, we're going to see this. I, I have to tell you, because I see things, unfortunately, all the time through the security lens that I, that I carry with me, um, the this, this statement by the president at this press conference Thursday night worries me and has worried me more than anything he's said thus far since the election, because he's essentially signaling a green light that we're not going to stand for this. They are stealing the election. He's made it official from the podium. They're stealing the election. There's fraudulent voting, illegal voting occurring. We won't let that happen. We can't let that happen. That is going to be interpreted um, by some of the crazies as a signal to to take action. And so the crowds that we see in Maricopa County, uh, in Phoenix, uh, that materialized uh, yesterday, and in Nevada and other places, um, could go from just annoying yelling to something far more nefarious. And, the, and I keep saying this, Allison, this so-called law and order president is making the job of law enforcement so much more challenging. Um, The overtime, the risk that the sheriff's departments around this country are putting in on this 
is astounding. And 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 eventually, um, they're not going to be able to contain some lone wolf or some group of people. Mm. Yeah, and and with the Pennsylvania ballots. My understanding is that we don't have exact numbers. The number of ballots that would have, you know, would be sequestered, and and according to um, the Secretary of State, there, like you said in the press conference, are being sequestered, uh, aren't enough to make a difference if the math continues the way that it is, and Biden wins by some forty to sixty thousand votes. It's simply not enough to matter, and then that they, it would therefore become a moot point. Of course, again, we do not know how many uh, uh, of those ballots there are, but uh, it it doesn't, from my understanding, it doesn't seem like it could be enough to make a difference there. Uh, and of course, that doesn't, uh, you know, impact Nevada or Arizona, where Biden is ahead. Uh, but Trump came out of the gate tonight and said, we won in Pennsylvania, and now it's being taken away. We won in Georgia. We won in North Carolina by massive, massive numbers. We won in Arizona. We won in Nevada. He's just saying he won all the swing states and that they are being taken away. And you and I talked about this well before the election, that this is what would happen. This kind of disinformation is is what would come out, not from foreign adversaries, but the disinformation is coming from inside the House. It's coming from the Trump camp and that he would declare victory early. And this is exactly what he's done. But there's there's a difference, I feel like, between talking about it probably happening and when it actually happens. It still is hitting me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, watching it, right. The fact that we're not surprised doesn't mean we're still not shocked. And, you know, I, but I have to tell you, the other night I was, it was either election night or last night, they're all running together now, but there was a panel on CNN and these are savvy professionals and they were still engaging in this kind of wishful thinking that, that the president might rise to the occasion, that people around him might tell him, hey, you know, for your next career, whether it's in media or, you know, peddling hot dogs on the corner, you really should come out as kind of taking the high road. They were they were actually hoping this. And I and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Has have the last four years not taught you who this man is? And of course it's it's playing out. And it's Again, from the security perspective, I am I'm deeply concerned about this press conference. Yeah, especially you're exactly right. The security and law enforcement perspective. I know when uh, we spoke on election night, we also spoke uh, with Andrew McCabe, and he's like, "Look, I, yes, I'm former director of the FBI, acting director of the FBI, but I'm also a cop, and this is dangerous. This is dangerous to law enforcement, just like you said. I mean, he carried a badge and a gun for decades, right? And so he's worried about." the the men and women that Trump proclaims to love and that love him about their safety in in these in these situations. Yeah, we've been monitoring um, both private and public chat and postings by extremist groups and individuals. And um, I, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's getting really heated, really heated. And so, you know, the call for long guns to be brought to these protests at polling places. Um, that's that's a recipe for for trouble. And then you know, from the counterintelligence side, look, um, there is a clear line being connected now between what Russia media is reporting. For example, they're claiming that there is ballot stuffing going on in Michigan, specifically Detroit and Flint. And then, lo and behold, we see a video being passed around among Trump extremists on uh, Twitter 
um, that, that has a video of ball alleged ballot stuffing in Flint, Michigan. Guess what? The video is actually from Russia from about two, <laughs> two years ago. And it was this has been reported previously by The Washington Post as a video of ballot stuffing in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we just get this story out today from The Wall Street Journal, uh, a Rupert Murdoch joint, by the way, uh, that the Stop the Steal group on Facebook, I don't know if you've been looking at this group, yep. uh, uh, they have been kicked off of Facebook and have migrated to tel uh, Telegram, which is a Russian communications app. Uh, if that gives you sort of any indication as, you know, uh, you know, duh, I guess is the, <laughs> is the best way to say it. I, I mean, it's it's absolutely astounding. Yeah, stop the stop the steal. Um, we identified pretty quickly as filled with disinformation, and in particular, foreign disinformation that Americans were were just gobbling up. And now the the notion that Americans have chosen to go to essentially a Russian platform um, should just should just surprise and disturb everybody. I don't care what political stripe you are, but but that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that was what we were talking about. When uh, your former colleagues or, you know, from the FBI, Chris Ray came out, made a video and said, look, they're going to try to get to us in that time between poll closing and certification of results. We're going to be very vulnerable. Pete Strzok talked about it. The FBI actually put out a separate press release. Uh, I know the CIA was concerned about it. And this kind of thing, this group like Stop, groups like Stop the Steal are exactly what they were referring to. Yeah, we are now in a battle for the American brain. And right now we're kind of losing that battle. Um, and unfortunately, it's in part because um, our, our president is weighing in on the dark side and, and fomenting all of this. So yeah, this period of time, and it could be a week, two weeks, and, and right up to the inauguration, um, is one where people are going to have to make a choice. And look, based on how we've reacted to science and, and COVID recommendations, I, I think the brain might be on the losing side of this. Mm, yeah, I fear that as well. Um, Frank, I want to shift a minute um, and talk about uh, the future and a potentially uh, an intelligence community under a President Biden and the Department of Justice under a President Biden. Uh, but I need to take a quick break. Will you stick around and, and chat with me after that? Happy to do it. All right, great. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the Daily Beans podcast is brought to you by the most delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth, Magic Spoon Cereal. Since I was a little AG, my favorite foods have always been cereal. I love them. I just sit, like, eat a whole box in front of Saturday morning cartoons, or Sesame Street, or The Muppet Show, or Tom and Jerry. But now as an adult, I've had to give it, I've had to give it up because of all the sugar and carbs and guilt. But I'm excited to share Magic Spoon. It is a cereal that is so tasty, you will not believe it's made without all that stuff. And in fact, it's good for you. It's so good, you won't believe it's healthy. Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon may be the future breakfast. Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It is gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, keto-friendly, low-carb, and high-protein, and there's no GMOs. And the best part is it's so delicious. Four amazing flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Magic Spoon tastes incredible. It's too good to be true, but it's real, and I love it, and I put it in my mouth all the time. Sometimes I eat it as a dry snack. My favorite right now is the cocoa, because you get the chocolate milk you can drink after. It's so delicious. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans. Grab a variety pack. Try it today. Be sure to use our promo code dailybeans at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon, get this, they're so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash dailybeans. 
Daily Beans and use the code Daily Beans for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon so much for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. We've been talking to former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, friend of mine, uh, Frank Faglusi. Frank, I wanted to ask you, I want to pivot now, now that we've uh, <laughs> talked about all the uh, absolutely insane things going on with, with the president right now, about uh, the a Biden presidency, because it, it appears to be manifesting. Uh, today before our eyes. Uh, it hasn't been officially called at the time of this recording, but it's it's starting to look that way. And it has all day. And I wanted to ask about how you go forward repairing the damage this president has done to the intelligence community, your former FBI, it just has to be it has, it has to be sickening to watch what's been happening. And and what the future kind of looks like. Mm. Well, I'm still never going to give up hope. And I, I've written about this kind of, you know, next phase, if, if Biden wins, what this what this looks like. And I, I have to tell you, those who say that for the good of the country, we need to let bygones be bygones and we need to kind of let Trump off the hook and fade into non-existence. I, I say this. Um, I would ordinarily be with you on that, but not when this degree of damage has been done to our institutions by this many people. So for me, this is this is only a little bit about Trump as a person. It's about the people around him, from the attorney general to the postmaster general to the secretary of state to the DNI and, and DHS head, by the way, who, who have enabled and facilitated things like uh, ripping infants from breastfeeding mothers, um, you, you name it, and and just lying to the public repeatedly. So, I don't. I say um, one of the part. One of the things that actually we need to heal the nation is to basically send a message that says this can never happen again, and this is what happens to you when you attempt to subvert our democracy. I'm not talking about. You know, a, a witch, a witch hunt. I'm not. I'm talking about letting the Department of Justice do their thing, but in a very organized fashion. And by that, I mean, I w I think we need a commission that looks into people like the Postmaster General, like the Attorney General, and and determines the degree to which they personally played a role in undermining our democracy. Mm. Yeah, I I think. Um... Every single listener uh, would agree with you on that. And uh, I know that also uh, Glenn Kirshner's talked about a Trump Crimes Commission. I know Nancy Pelosi's brought it up. And uh, what about leadership at the FBI? I know the FBI Agents Association wrote a letter to both Biden and Trump saying, keep Chris Ray." Uh, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on on that. This is unprecedented. Um, understand that the FBI Agents Association has historically been a very quiet group and never inserts themselves into anything that can be perceived as political. And that's why they wrote their letter to both candidates. And But yet it's unprecedented for them to say, look, for the good of this agency, th this is only a little bit about Chris Ray and the respect they have for him. And it's a whole lot about the respect and passion they feel for the FBI as an institution. So look, today, um, I don't know if you saw it, but this is thir Thursday night. We see Steve Bannon today calling for the beheading of not only Dr. Fauci, but of FBI Director Chris Wray. Um, this is where we are when a man or woman who try to do their job are castigated and, and painted as traitors. Uh, the FBI 
director previous to Ray has been fired, Jim Comey. Now we're hearing imminent threats of Chris Ray being fired um, and others. If you if you turn the FBI into a political agency, you've lost the premier law enforcement agency in the nation. And, and what I remind people is this. Every FBI new agent trainee during the academy, each of their classes has to pay a visit to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. That is done so that the class understands the horrible abuses that can occur when an immoral leader takes control of national law enforcement and the military. And they're told this can never happen again. So when you see a letter from the Agents Association saying we need to keep the FBI director's 10-year term intact, that's what that's what they're responding to. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I can't like you said, it's just it's so rare for them to, to come out and make a statement like that. Um, so it's it, you know, it just carries that much more weight. But I, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, just generally America, your average everyday American people don't understand about sort of what goes on in these agencies, probably more so now than they ever did before. But that's a very important point. Uh, and you have uh, a new book coming out. It's called The FBI Way, um, Inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. And I think that that ties in perfectly. Uh, the timing, I, I don't think, could be better, honestly, uh, Frank, for this book to come out, because we are going to have to uh, um, replace what Comey referred to as the reservoir of trust, the trust that the American people have in the intelligence agency. And, and once that trust is, is lost, it's got to be hard to rebuild. So I'm hoping that maybe some of the insights from this forthcoming book can help with that. Yeah, I look, I did something I never thought I would do. I've written a book and, I, and I've written a book dedicated to the men and women of the FBI because I just got tired of the institution I love being bashed regularly and and the misperceptions the public has and the public perception of the bureau is critical to its success so that's the book and it's it actually says not only do you, are we getting this wrong about the fbi but there's a huge amount that you should actually embody and and uh and copy in your own life or organization because the fbi gets it right most of the time and someday I'd love to come on and, and talk to you more about that. But it, it is available now for pre-order, and uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, definitely. Once that once that drops, we'll have you on. We'll we'll go through it, read it. We'll talk about the various points, and and it's going to continue to be an important conversation as we move into this, you know, potential new presidency that will give us the ability to to kind of restore that order. Indeed. Let's uh, stay stay tuned to the developments and uh, and just, you know, we, we we signed off before saying be safe and we usually meant COVID. But I'm I'm going to tell your listeners, be safe because things are going to get extremely hairy. OK. And if there's anything you need to text me that you know that I need to know, you feel free to do that. And um, I'll make sure to get the info out uh, unless it's uh, Glomar. OK, sound good. Will do. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, former uh, assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, uh, new book coming out, The FBI Way, Inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. I'm looking forward. You can pre-order it now wherever you get your books. Frank Figlusi, thanks for joining me. Take care, Allison. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans, this segment of the podcast. <laughs> 
I'm so tired. This election has gotten me so tired. And that is why I want to tell you about Caliper CBD. Life is very stressful right now. Um, We're waiting on these election results forever. It's nail-biting. It's anxiety-ridden. We need to practice self-care. But, you know, practicing self-care shouldn't be so complex. It also makes you anxious and stresses you out. And the great thing about CBD is it helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your routine. It's super chill. If you haven't tried CBD, I recommend it. It helps you feel less anxious and more calm. It's helped me sleep easier. Uh, I feel less sore after long days or long workouts. And my favorite thing about Caliper CBD specifically is they've introduced a better way to ingest it. Uh, Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is tasteless. It mixes easy in any food or drink. With precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, you never quite question how much you're taking. I like to put some in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. And it's clinically proven you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper uh, than you do with tinctures. That's so much more. Caliper gives you all the benefits in just 15 minutes, so it's super fast acting. So you absorb more of it, it, it acts faster, and it's just, and you know exactly how much you're taking. And it's also completely THC-free, so you get all the benefits of CBD without the intoxicating or mind-altering effects. And Caliper is made with all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, no added chemicals or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but also make it easy on yourself with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, full refund, 30 days. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday. That means Amy's here. What's up, Amy? Hi. Well, I'm back in the States. So I'm sorry. I'm, I know. I was like trying to find the silver lining. I'm like, at least I got to hug my husband and, and kiss my dog. But, you know, we, I went from a place that had eight cases to a place that had like 44,000 cases so of COVID. So, you know, but that's fine because I am joyous in my heart because I know we're going to pull out an amazing win for Joe Biden mm-hmm. in just a few hours or maybe a few days, but I, I just know it. Yeah, it could be minutes. It could be hours. It could be tomorrow. It could be, we don't know. <laughs> we're all just like, you know, on the edge of our seats. Um, so we have a lot of good news today. And I'm yes. glad, I, I'm glad, you know, welcome. I'm like, I'm not sorry you're back in the States. I love the United <laughs> States. I'm a fucking patriot. And you made it just in time to hear what is going to go down. So that's really good. Exactly. Yes. So he, here's a little tiny piece of good news before we get to our listener good news and confessions uh, and corrections. First of all, I just found out Steve Bannon's YouTube and Twitter accounts have been suspended. Suspended. Woo-woo! Uh, probably because he said Fauci and Ray should be decapitated. That's probably what happened. Uh, he did that uh, <laughs> earlier today. And so he's been pulled. I don't have... I'm glad that's the cutoff. <laughs> yeah, that's what it takes uh, these that's days. But I, I don't know if that's the exact reason. Uh, I'm guessing. I put some beans on it, whatever. 
But yeah, Steve Bannon is no longer on Twitter or YouTube. So that's some good news. Bye, bitch. That is good news. Very good news. It is. Let's get here to the uh, good news, confessions, and corrections. Um, Amy, I'm so excited to do this. Uh, Here we go. First one up. I'm going to do the first two here because the first one is pretty short. And it's from Martin from Canada, PhD. And, and Martin says, good news. I wanted to send an update on my PhD defense. That's the one that was scheduled for November 3rd. I passed with minor revisions. Yeah, baby. Congratulations, Dr. Martin. That's huge. Oh, Dr. Martin. Those are my favorite boots. Dr. Martin from Canada. Oh, God. Literally, doctors from Canada are my favorite. <laughs> Only one thing keeps us together. Only one thing keeps our roots it's not what you think. It's Dr. Martin's boots. So thank you, Dr. Martin uh, from Canada. And there was a little bit of the young ones for you uh, in your honor. So next so up, cool. also anonymous pronouns he and him. During our lockdown time in Australia, someone in my house binge watched the entire series of she on Netflix. Of course, it was my daughter. And when I said, oh, that has Amy Carrero, right? Her whole face lit up and she was so excited to tell me about the show. I told her a few things about Amy uh, that she has shared on the beans. My daughter and I already get along really well, and a little bonding moment like that, are, those are my favorite parts of being a dad. Those were a few smiles I wouldn't have seen without Amy joining your show. We've been following the Trump saga together purely as an exercise in communication and leadership, and it was immediately obvious to a 12-year-old girl that Trump was a corrupt idiot. Who knew? Best wishes and love from down under. Oh, God. What, how lovely. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm i just so glad that, you know, a show that I'm so proud – well, two shows that I'm so proud of um, have, have been a bonding experience for you and your daughter. Thank you for sharing that. That is wonderful. Uh, why don't you take the next two here? Okay. Um, the next one is from Sarah, pronouns she, her. She says, I anxiety wolfed a half pan of week old lemon bars on the last day of voting, <laughs> a.k.a. election day, making myself ill. That's all. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Sarah, I hear you. That's all. Thanks. Thanks. Girl, let me just. I ordered like a tub of butter chicken and garlic naan on election mm. day. And I was just like dipping my face. I ate it with my hands. Do you know how hard it is to eat sauce with your hands? Anyway, I feel you, Sarah. Okay. The next one is from Anonymous. She, her. Our son who has special needs turned 18 on Monday, November 2nd. Our state won't mail an absentee ballot until the voter is uh, until the voter's 18th birthday. So our son insisted that we drive 40 minutes to our parish's registrar's uh, registrar of voters office on his birthday. He was so excited to cast his first ballot ever for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and we couldn't be prouder. And there was a picture. So cool. Oh Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Oh, Hell that's yes. the face of someone yes. who has just done a very good thing. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Saved us from ourselves. Yes, I love that. I'm going to go ahead and give you this next one, and then I'm going to take the last one. Okay. Next one is from Francis. No pronouns. Francis with an E. New Mexico is sending a delegation made up of all women of color to the U.S. House. It's the result of both major parties nominating women. Proud of my state. New Mexico was also one of the Senate seats we flipped. And there's an editor's note. Says the winners of two Democrats and a Republican uh, Deb 
Halland retained her seat. Teresa Ledger Fernandez kept a Democratic seat. Yvette Harrell uns- is was unseated, and Ch- Chitil, I think Chitil or Chowchow. Oh, uh, Re- Republican Yvette Harrell unseated Hochul Torres Small. Hochul Torres Small. More of a good news, bad news. Right. Yes, but New Mexico, <laughs> go New Mexico, though. Awesome. Yeah, go New Mexico. Yeah, I want to save this for last because this has to do with your show, Amy, and I wanted to read it to you. This is Aww. a confession from Henrik, pronouns okay. he and him. Henrik calls himself a recovering arsehole, and you'll <laughs> kind of get the gist here. Hello, my parasocial ear buddies. I've been a faithful listener since AG's first guest appearance on Opening Arguments. I haven't missed an episode since. It's a pretty long message. It comes to you from Denmark, so apologies in advance if the grammar is a bit off. Henrik, you're probably better at it than we are. Same. Uh, this may not exactly fit the established quarantine confessions or good news formulae, mainly uh, since what it covers lies several years before the current pandemic was a glint in the eye of a bat hmm. with the help of <laughs> pangolins. However, one of AG's recent asides got me thinking. You remarked on the story of the poor Trump supporters caught out in the freezing cold and how you had tried to help arrange transportation for them and experienced pushback from some of the followers wondering why we should help them. Following that, I decided I would try to give one relatively personal reason why you should do just that, apart from it just being the decent thing to do. Oh. I've gone back and forth over the last week or so on whether to send this in, but in light of a paraphrased ad- admonition from the Shira series, being vulnerable does not mean being weak, and it's worth it. Aww. I decided to go ahead and expose my past arseholishness in the hopes that it may help others. About six years ago, I was subscribed to Sargon of Akkad on YouTube. If you don't know what that means, just count yourself lucky. And know that I was basically looking at the worst dregs of pseudo-intellectualism with admiration. In a similar vein, I was also eagerly looking forward to each installment of Thunderfoot's long series on feminism put-downs springing from his Feminism versus Facts videos. Had you asked me directly at the time, I believe I would have argued some sentiment similar to, quote, of course I'm all for equality, but third-wave feminism is, is a postmodern cancer imposing artificial constraints on free thought and expression. And I would have taken a break to inhale my own farts and then followed up with a long grievance list of how men actually had it worse than women these days and how I identify as an attack helicopter, which was a hilarious put down of non-traditional gender identities. Yikes on trikes. I think I just gagged a little just putting that into writing. I really do apologize to whomever had to read it. I honestly have no idea how I found myself sliding down those mental cobwebs, sliding into those mental cobwebs. It may have just been a freewheeling mind under stress starting to eat itself in, a, in isolation, but I was certainly stuck there, devouring straw men and drinking from the poison wells. Uh, it was just so much easier to lap up the perceived superiority than to actually take the time to look critically at each argument and check the validity of the barrage of snarky claims and takedowns. My journey back to the light, so to speak, was long and gradual and in large part fueled by the consistent, firm, but well-humored jabs from AG and your shifting gallery of co-hosts across your projects, hmm. as well as similar shots fired from Ellie Bosnick, a co-host of several other hilarious podcasts, including The Skeptocrat. In a sense, I was stuck on freeze, a freezing tarmac. You guys took the time to give me a lift back to the warmth, oh. even though at that time I would have probably argued with you the whole way. As you probably gleaned from the introduction, I recently found time to watch through the Shira series, thanks to your glowing recommendation. The following may venture into a very mild spoiler territory, <laughs> so feel free to censor as you see fit. However, I feel I should just point out I found myself, a 40-year-old man, weeping openly at the redemption arc of a friggin' cartoon cat and re-watching the final two episodes four times. 
Had I still been where I was six years back, I would in all likelihood have stopped around episode one or two saying, ooh, so agenda driven and missed out on an amazing journey. Being opposed to positive viewpoints in a safe environment while watching the negative receive consistent, gentle, but no nonsense ridicule can at least in some cases stop a mind from eating itself and start looking outwards. Places like Muller, she wrote, and the Daily Beans are shining examples of such environments. But one has to start listening first. A minor act of kindness from what you may at the time perceive as the enemy, followed by a recommendation, can go a long way towards that end. So if you have access to someone who, who, as I did, find themselves on the far side of the divide, and you have the mental fortitude to do so, please keep reaching out. Every once in a while you'll find one, uh, you will, while one of them might grab that outstretched hand. With kind Aww. regards... And thanks for the many, many beanie laughs, not to mention the fresh perspectives. I have included the obligatory pod pet picture, my 10-year-old good boy, Sophus, who despite weighing at a good 30 kilograms, <laughs> is sitting in my lap as I write this. I have just chills. How beautiful. I mean, how beautiful. And and honestly, I really needed to hear that. Not, I mean, the Shira part was nice, but what I really needed to hear and thank you, Henrik. It's such an honor to have been a part of that show. Um, but the thing that I really needed to hear was how how people come back from, um, you know, those the the place of you know maybe like those YouTube holes or conspiracy theories or you know super fringe movements like. People can tell us factually like, well, what doesn't work is putting them down or making them feel stupid or whatever. But to hear someone's experience like that, like, listen, I made it out of something like that because, you know, of people like AG who give the facts but don't make me feel stupid about, you know, my past or what I believed is really super important. And I think it's going to mean a lot for us in the next few years as we rebuild our country. Yeah. And I have to tell you that, you know, when I put that message out there on Twitter, like somebody should help these Trump yeah. supporters in Omaha, I got dragged pretty hard. And, um, but to, to know that that comment helped one person, mm-hmm. one person took my hand off of that frozen tarmac, watched the entire Shira, the entire Shira series. I started moving out of that place um, makes it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And, and it's so easy to, to kind of get, and I, it, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this today, you know, of kind of being so blinded by the pent up rage against people who I, you know, it's not that they have differences of opinion. Like I like pineapple on a pizza. It's like differences of like, I don't think you should have healthcare. I don't think you should have say in what you do with your own body. And that sparks this, like, I see red, you know? And so the easiest kind of thing to do is to, to kind of hit back where it's easiest. Um, but that doesn't help that. Does that help the other person? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if that other person Mm -hmm. exists. Maybe they're just a bot, you know, on the other end, but like, those people stuck on that tarmac were very real people. And, you know, if we want them on our side, then we have to treat them like people. Absolutely. And and Henrik, thank you so much for this, because I will forever remember you when yes. I'm getting dragged on, on the socials <laughs> for trying to reach out. 
I will forever remember this. This is... Absolutely. This is awesome. And can we just say the grammar was actually so perfect? Like... (laughs) That was really brilliant writing. Yeah. Henrik should write a book. I'd read it. I would too. Very well done. And the doggo. Look at this doggo. Oh, the doggo is so cute. And I love that he was sitting on his lap. I know. Very good boy. Well... Henrik, thank you very much. Francis from New Mexico, I appreciate you. Anonymous with the special needs kid who turned 18. Sarah with your lemon bars, bless. Um, (laughs) Anonymous in Australia. That's all, thanks. (laughs) Anonymous in Australia. And of course, Dr. Martin from Canada. I appreciate all of you. I love you all. We're going to go back to uh, binge eating our own pan of week old lemon bars and watching <laughs> uh watching the returns and yep. uh we will see you tonight at 4 p.m pacific time for the regularly scheduled happy hour uh and uh, that's for patrons if you're not a patron you can become one at patreon.com slash miller she wrote or daily beans pod i think or the daily beans or daily beans dot uh supercast dot tech something like that go to supercast and look for the daily beans you'll find it anyway that's it any final thoughts amy before we get out of here Ooh, I just want to say um, that if you're tired, if you feel like the last four years have just dragged you through the mud and you're just kind of getting toward the finish line, give yourself a little bit of grace. I'm trying to do the same thing. I don't think my my under eye circles have been this bad in my entire life. And um, yeah, I think I I see light at the end of the tunnel and I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah. I am too. Edge of our seats. By the by, the time you hear this episode, we might already know. So, oh, I hope so. Anyone, everywhere, uh, regardless, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. We're gonna win. I've been AG, and I've been Amy Carrero, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>